Okay, if you have your Bibles, you guys know the drill. Let me see them. Let me see them in the year. Let me see them. Let me see them. Let me see them. Okay, turn to the book of Jonah. Okay, we're going to be diving into Jonah chapter 3, and we're picking up on this story where we just saw them leave off in the drama where Jojo has made it to the backyard after fleeing to the front of the front yard. And remember, we, we looked at this morning, the, the kind of mysterious way that God pursues Jonah is through a storm and then getting swallowed by a big fish. Right? Sometimes in your life and in my life, maybe something happens that isn't very pleasant or you think maybe isn't fair or you don't like how it's going. And in my life, in my experience, as I look back on my life, sometimes uh, some of the most difficult circumstances that I walked through, now that I look back on them, are, are the ways that God was drawing me near. Remember that we looked at that God is a pursuer. That God is a God that pursues. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. He said, go and preach. And God's going to pursue not only the people of Nineveh, but he's also going to pursue Jonah. But sometimes that's not very pleasant. It's like getting thrown in a giant trash can. And he gets to have this conversation with God in that trash can. And so far over the last couple of messages and the last couple of dramas, what we've seen to become apparent is that our heart is naturally against God's heart. Right? We saw that in Jonah chapter 1. You see the wickedness of Nineveh has risen up against God and that God takes that personally, that it's not just sin that floats into the atmosphere, but that God says that that sin has come up against me. And we define sin as any thought, word, action, or attitude that goes against God's design for our life, and we see that in Nineveh. Right? When you look at the backyard gnomes, you go, ah, obvious sin. But you know where else we see sin in the, in the story of Jonah? We see in Jonah's life, right? When God asks him to go somewhere, he goes in the opposite direction. And I love the conversation that the, the bee has with Jojo, where she's like, whoa, wait, let me get this straight. So you are mad at the backyard gnomes because they're not doing what God told them to do. And he goes, exactly. And she goes, what would you call this? Remember what he said? Well, that's different. And we do that a lot, right? You do that, I do that. It's, it's, it's something we can easily do is compare our sin or our brokenness to the people around us and go, well, I'm not as bad as them and I'm not that bad. But when we do that, remember we say, it's really easy to start believing I'm not that bad and God's not that good. And so we, we've seen so far in the book of Jonah that our heart is naturally against God's heart, which then begs the question, what is God's heart? And that's what we looked at this morning. Remember when he says, I am a Hebrew, I worship the capital L-O-R-D. That that was intentional. That God has a name. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, Exodus 34 says. That God's heart is always for his purpose. Remember Exodus chapter 3, when he tells Moses, he says, I am who I am who I have always been in the past, I will continue to always be in the future. And so when we say that God's heart is always for his purpose and his purpose for always for, is always for salvation, we can kind of take that to the bank. But what we start to see is this gap that exists between our heart, which is naturally against God's heart, and God's heart, which is always for his purpose and his purpose is always for salvation. And as we've taken a look at this text, we start to see that God is a God that pursues. 
right? In, jo- in Genesis chapter three, he says, where are you to Adam and Eve? We see it in this text that God pursues the people of Nineveh, that God pursues Jonah, okay? Um, the summer's out here hot. Y'all get like heat, like 80s, 90s, Alabama boys going like, no, you don't know anything about hot, right? Okay, but it's like 80, 80 is it humid out here? Like pretty humid? Okay, so uh, one of my best buds, he grew up in Oklahoma, which isn't Alabama, I realize, but hot, humid summers. And, and one of my favorite stories that he tells is there was uh, this summer, hot, humid summer where he was sitting in his living room area, big open window facing out to the street. And there was this little kid, it was like one of those like hot, 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 but like humid days where you step outside and the second you step outside, if you step out of the AC, you're just instantly drenched in sweat. You know those days? where it just, you just feel like you're walking around in a swimming pool. And so it was one of those days, and, and out on the, on the street was this kid, um, and he's j- like just in like the little, most itty-bitty shorts he could possibly be in. He's just sitting there, shirtless, no shoes, shorty shorts, and he's on one of those, uh, you know the, the big boy tricycles with like the big back, back wheels? So he's on one of these tricycles, and he's got uh, a cone of mint chocolate chip ice cream, right? Living his best life in a hot, humid day. And as, he, as my buddy's watching from the window, he sees this kid roll up on this, on this big boy tricycle, and he takes a little bit of a, his ice cream, and he just, just scoops it onto the ground. He's sitting there watching, going like, what is he doing? Why is, what is this, what's happening here? And all of a sudden, out of this little crack in the sidewalk, this whole line of ants started coming. Right? The ants go marching two by two, hurrah, hurrah. And these ants are just going straight for this ice cream. My buddy's sitting there in the window going like, what is, what is happening? And all of a sudden, homie takes his tricycle. He's like, backs it up, takes that back right tire and just lines it up right with this whole line of ants that's going straight for the ice cream. And he puts his foot on the pedal. And he's just like, kills this entire line of ants. And my buddy watching this happen, he's like, this kid is sick, right? Like this, he's kind of messed up. And sure enough, homie backs up his tricycle, takes a second thing of ice cream, like two inches to the left. Whole line of dead ants, two inches to the left, boom, whole nother thing of ice cream. And all of a sudden, the ants go marching two by two, hurrah, hurrah. Here they come again, this whole line of ants just walking straight past all of the other dead ants, straight towards the second pile of ice cream. And at this point, my buddy's starting to get like a little bit incredulous. He's like, no way, this isn't happening. He's like at his front door now, like walking, looking at this, like bearing the heat a little bit. And as this, this kid backs up and lines that right tire all up on this line, he puts his foot on the pedal. And my buddy at this point is standing in the, in, in the doorway going like, no way. This isn't, this isn't about to happen. And sure enough, the kid puts his foot on the pedal and just, just kills this entire line of ants. Third time backs it up, third scoop of ice cream, drops it down, and my buddy's like walking out on the sidewalk now going like, no, no, he's like the defender of ants. He's like, this isn't happening. And all of a sudden, dollop of ice cream onto the sidewalk, 
the third group of ants walking past not just one line of dead ants, but two line of dead ants. And he's, he's, my, my buddy's walking out there and he's like standing over the ants at this point. He's like, no, don't go. Like, do you not see your brothers and sisters like to your right? Like the mothers and fathers and uncles and aunts. Okay, that one was for free, okay? And he's just like incredulous walk, looking at these other line of ants. Like to his right, a whole line of dead ants. Uh, another line of dead ants. And homie just puts his foot on the pedal. The, the ants are just in the hundreds now going for that third dollop of ice cream. And standing over this line of ants, my buddy says these words, if only I could become an ant. And it clicked in this moment that this, remember this book? that we've been talking about, this is the greatest story ever told, that's hardly ever told in its entirety, that Genesis through Revelation, 66 books, 40 authors, 1,500 years, three continents, three languages, telling one great story. You know what that one great story is? If only I could become an ant. You know what John 1.14 says? It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That this one great story is about a guy named Jesus. That in Genesis chapter 3, when the wheels were set in motion, when sin entered into the picture, and the ripple effect of generation after generation after generation, which we still see and feel today, we're born into it. Nobody chooses it. You and I, on autopilot, we are sinful. We are broken. Our thoughts, words, actions, and attitudes, they fundamentally, they naturally go against God's design for life. Right? If you're just coasting, you are going against God's design for life. You are, I am. Without there being somebody stepping in and changing the course, left to myself, I will live naturally against God's heart. And so what God does is through his son, through the person of Jesus, he becomes one of you and me. And, and as a human being, like descending, condescending and becoming an ant, like that's, that is, it's the smallest picture of what God did when he condescended and became a human being. When he zipped up flesh and took on the form of a human. Like, can, can we just, can you fathom that for a second? The God of the universe, right? If, what's your name? Skylar. Skylar, that's an awesome name. Skylar, if you go outside right now and it's nighttime and you say, I am Skylar, let there be light, what happens? No light. Nothing, right? We can't create something out of nothing. None of us can. Right? Like it's, it's impossible to create something out of nothing. And if I say, let there be light, guess what happens? Nothing. If Skylar says, let there be light, guess what happens even though Skylar's awesome? Nothing. Hey, but the God of the universe who just threw a word, hey, we find out in the New Testament that it's Jesus that spoke into existence the world around us. It's him that created the world. When he gave up that power, when he descended and became one of you and one of me. Do you ever think about the fact that Jesus was like a three-year-old at one point in time? Like he was a toddler. He was, like when I'm around my 16-month-old daughter, there's not much she can do without me and, and my wife. You know how dependent babies are? And the God of the universe chose that. Why? Because he watched 
ant line after ant line after ant line walk towards sudden death. Hey, remember, remember the remember the, the, the cones and the landmines? Right? You know what scripture says? It says the wages of sin is death. Our thoughts, words, actions, and attitudes that go against God's design for life, the sin present in our life, if we keep going down that path, it leads to one thing and one thing only, and it's death. And when the Bible talks about death, it's not just a physical death. It's an eternal separation from the God that created life. And what he wants for us is to do life his way, not because he's sitting on this mountaintop going, it's my way, you have to do it my way. Right? No, God's, God's this loving father going, I have your best interest in mind. But for thousands and thousands of years, right, human beings chose their own way and they walked towards death over and over and over again. And in our story, we see that represented in Nineveh. We see these people that are walking towards mint chip ice cream, doing life their way with the back right tire of a tricycle lined up directly for them going, if you keep going this direction, it only ends one way. And we're going to see the God of the universe, the God that pursues, the God of the Bible, as we watch him pursue the people of Nineveh, we're going to start to see and understand that his heart is always for his purpose, and his purpose is always what? Salvation. His heart for Jonah, his heart for the people of Nineveh was salvation, and he's going to give them this good news that there is a different way to do life. Hey, so in your Bibles, turn with me to Jonah chapter 3, and we're going to pick up this story. Jonah chapter 3. If you're there, say amen. If you're not, say wait. Okay, I'm going to say that again. If you're there, say amen. If you're not, say wait. Okay, there we go. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Hey. If you have a pen in your hand, I want you to underline this right here in your Bibles. Yes, you can write in your Bible, okay? That's okay. The Ninevites believed God. Underline that for me. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. Then Jonah's warning is going to reach the king, and the king is going to make a decree to say, we are all not only going to believe this, but there's going to be something that we do about it. And then in verse 10, it says, when God saw what they did and how they turned, circle that word for me, from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. See, here's what happens in this story. You can look up at me right now. Here's what happens in this story. Hey, the Ninevites believe God enough to do what he said. Do you know what we call that? We call that faith. Faith is believing God enough to do what he says. But here's what you, a lot of us have tricked ourselves into thinking, that I can just believe that there is a God, and that's enough. The only problem with that is the book of James. The book of James says, right, there's another group of people that believe that a God exists. Right? And, and, and in James it says, even the demons believe that there is a God. I don't know about you, but I don't really, I'm not super interested in having demon faith. I'm not super interested in having the same faith as the demons. 
But there's a difference between demon faith and demonstrated faith. And here's what it is. It's you have to believe God enough to actually do what he says. See, note that the Ninevites, they don't just go, cool, Jonah, two thumbs up. We believe that there is a God. We believe you. No, it's not enough. No, they believe God enough to change. Right? See, it says, when God saw that they had turned from their evil ways. In your church circles, in the Bible, we call this repentance. Hey, but repentance, again, is just a big churchy word that means to change your mind. Hey, you're walking this direction, you change your mind, you turn around, and you go the opposite direction. Does that make sense? So the Ninevites, they go, we believe in God, but we believe enough to change their thoughts, words, actions, and attitudes. Remember in Jonah chapter 1, verse 2, their wickedness has, has come up against God. Then Jonah comes in and says, hey, Ninevites, 40 days, and there's going to be destruction on the place. Why is there going to be destruction? Because the wages of sin is what? Death. And so Jonah comes in and says, hey, the wages of what you're doing right now is death. Does anybody have a job in here? We have a job. What do you what do you do? What what's your name? Courtney. Courtney, what do you do for work? Um I'm barista on a PCA. A what? A PCA? Personal care attendant. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Personal care attendant and a barista. Do you get do you expect wages for your work? Yes. Okay, so you work, you get paid every what? Two weeks? Okay, one of them's weekly. So you, the wages of what you do for work is money. You get paid for it, right? So how long would it take for you to not get a paycheck for you to just be like, oh, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like how, how many weeks would have to pass before you went like, um, excuse me, I need that paycheck. The wages of what I work for is money and I'm not getting that money. Right, okay, yeah, for sure. If, you're, if your paycheck's a week late, you're like, excuse me, I am due my wages, right? Hey, we understand that when it comes to work. When it comes to God's word, what he's saying is the wages for what we have done, for our thoughts, words, actions, and attitudes, the wages of that is death. And so Jonah comes into Nineveh and he goes, the wages of your sin is death, 40 more days, and God's gonna bring destruction. And they go, we need to change our ways. And so they repent, they change their mind, they believe God enough to actually do what he says, and they change. Our heart is naturally against God's heart. Jonah comes in and goes, Ninevites, your heart is naturally against God's heart. But God's heart, the good news is, God's heart is always for his purpose, and his purpose is always for salvation. They believe him, and they repent. And because of their belief and their repentance, they're saved. It's simple. He comes in not with good advice, but with good news. Not with a religious ideology, not a philosophy of life. He comes in with good news, saying, if you repent, God will relent. And God sees that they've turned from their ways, and he relents. Why? Because God is God that pursues. And when we open up the Bible and understand that this book isn't just a book about what? happened, it's a book about what happens, 
then we can start to bank on the fact that if this God is a God whose heart is always for his purpose and his purpose is for salvation, then we can start to believe and understand what if that purpose, what if that salvation was for you and for me as well? And friends, this is the part where genuinely I wish you and I, we could just go down to the coffee shop. We could just sit down. And maybe you and I could just sit and we could have a conversation. And, and, and genuinely, I've done this long enough and I've worked with enough students to, this is, I genuinely wish that you and I could just go down to the coffee shop and sit and I would, we would grab my Bible and I'd say, I'm drinking a hot cocoa because I've had way too much coffee today. Here's your hot cocoa, I'll get you one too. And we could just sit here and over a hot cocoa, we could open up my Bible and maybe you would sit and you would go, okay, Austin, you flew all the way out here from San Diego. You've stood up on stage and talked a couple times. I've been having these cabin discussions and I'm, I feel like I'm starting to understand. I feel like I'm starting to grasp. Right? In your first talk, you talked about that there's this reality in my life and in, in your life and in the lives around us called sin. In that our hearts and my heart, it's naturally against God's heart and there's these thoughts, words, actions, and attitudes that go against God's design for life, and I, I get that, and I start to understand that, and God's heart is always for his purpose, and his purpose is salvation. Maybe we'd be sitting here, and you go, okay, so, so now what? Where do we go from here? What do we do with this information? And this is where, if I was, if I was with you, I would, I would sit down, and we would turn in my Bible, and I'd say, there's this book called Romans. And you can use my Bible, just for the sake of time, uh, r- rather than flipping through and I would say there's, a, there's a, a verse in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, that says that there is a God, very simply, that there's a God that designed and created, and that we as human beings, that we've suppressed that truth that there is a God. And I would talk about maybe the woods around us, right? If you kind of look everywhere in New England, there's woods. And I'd say if you were walking around in New England and you, you stumbled upon just a, this beautiful A-frame cabin, you wouldn't think to yourself, man, that was a, some storm last night that the way these trees fell, it just formed this A-frame cabin. No, we would all go, created design means that there was a created designer. Right? If there's created, there's got to be a creator. There's an architect, there's a designer, there's a builder. And when you look around at the universe around us, there is design everywhere. And you go, creation cries out that there was a creator. That's what Romans chapter 1 verse 18 says. There is a God. And maybe we'd sit here and you'd take a sip of your hot cocoa and I'd say, okay, but that, that's, that's not the end of the story. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says that God in his perfection, right, in his, remember Isaiah chapter 6, holy, 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 he is so set apart. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 kind of introduces some of this bad news. That there is no one righteous, not even one. It says that there is no one good. And that righteous, remember that word is just kind of that big churchy word that means right with God. And that none of us are right with God because of the sin that's present in our life. And we'd sit here and go, okay, I, I get that. I start, I'm starting to understand that. And I'd say Romans 3.23 says that we have all sinned. That that's present in every one of our lives. That none of us can deny it. And then I'd flip over to Romans chapter 6, verse 23, and said, the, the bad news doesn't really stop there. Romans 6, 23 says what we were talking about a little bit earlier. 
that the wages of sin is death. And it's Courtney, right? And just like Courtney has her job, and the wages of her job are the finances that she's paid, you and I, the wages of our sin is death. And it's not just a physical death, right? We're all going to die one day. It's, it's in this eternal separation from God. So you go, okay, that's bad news, bad news, bad news. I thought you said there was some good news in here. And this is where I'd turn back to Romans chapter 5, verse 8 with you, and I'd, I'd sit and say, okay, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says this. Pay attention. Don't miss this. See, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says that when the timing was perfect, at just the right time, God chooses to demonstrate his love for you. God chooses to demonstrate his love for me in this. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, see remember, remember the tricycle right here where, where he backs that, that tricycle wheel up and he just lines it up and then my, my friend stood over and went, if only I could become an ant. John 1, 14 says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And there's a reason Jesus came and he came to earth. And if we were sitting here over a hot cocoa, I would open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 and say that this reads, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. See that God lived the life that you and I couldn't live and died the death that you and I deserve so that we might live the life that he deserves. And if we were sitting here and chatting, you'd go, okay, I, I understand, Austin, that there, there is a God. That none of us are right with that God because of the sin present in our life. That we've all sinned and we all fall short of God's perfect standard. And the wages, what I deserve because of that sin is death. But God chooses to demonstrate his love for us. Remember, remember this book, it's not just about what we have to do to get to God. It's what God has done to get to us. That God shows his love for us by giving his son. And his son went and died on the cross. Why? Because the wages of sin is what? Death. So my friends, all sin has to be paid for. Either by you or by Jesus. And in Romans chapter 5 it says, He willingly chooses to take on that penalty of death. And if you sat there and went, okay, I, I get that, I understand that. that, now what? What do I do with this? I'd grab my Bible and we would open up to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. And very simply, just like the Ninevites, right, in Nineveh, remember they, the, the call was to believe, not just up here, but to believe God enough to do what he says, to believe and to repent, I'd say in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, here's the best part of the story. God didn't stay dead. Jesus didn't stay dead. Jesus, he went to the cross to pay the penalty for sin because the wages of sin is death. And so he paid that penalty of death and then he resurrected three days later to prove that he could make dead things alive. And you and I, friends, without Jesus, we are dead things. And Jesus proves that he has power even over death. And so Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, your New Testament is written in a language called Greek. 
And that word Lord is the Greek word kurios. And it means that we surrender our life over to Jesus. That we give him the steering wheel of our life and from this day forward that he calls the shots. That we open up his word and we start to understand his way of doing life. And for the things that make crystal clear sense and for the things that we go, man, that's hard and I have to wrestle with that and I have to struggle with that. He becomes Lord. He becomes master. He's in charge. He's calling the shots. I bow my knee and go, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. You confess with your mouth that he is Lord and and, and believe that God raised him from the dead. Very simply, those two things, you will be saved. That's it. There's no magical formula. There's no like saying the right words in, in the right order in a prayer. It, there's nothing you can do to earn salvation. There's no amount of right that you can do to make God love you more. There's no amount of wrong that you could ever do to make God love you less. It's not dependent on your performance. It's dependent on Jesus' performance on your behalf. See, he died for you, instead of you, and because of you. And Romans makes it crystal clear that our part, our role, is to surrender and to believe and to repent and go, God, I believe you enough to do what you say. And I change my mind about the way that I'm living my life. And from here on out, I want to live my life your way. And so, friends, I want to invite you into something tonight. I told you on night one that I was going to treat you like adults. And I love that Maddie said this on stage this morning, right? That maybe the world looks at 11, 12, 13, 14 year olds and goes, but they're not old enough to make a decision like this. They're just going to distract each other. They're going to, they're going to make fun of each other while they're sitting. They can't sit still for an hour and a half. And I, I just don't believe it. I think it's bogus. And I'm going to treat you like adults because on a night like this, I'm going to invite you into making an adult decision that can change not just tomorrow, this week, this month, but the rest of your life into all of eternity. And what I want to invite you into is what Romans 10 says. Simply confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And that confession, Romans 10 says, you will be saved. Saved from eternity apart from him in a very real place called hell and saved into eternity with him. Life and life abundant, not just someday, but actually here on earth. That this week, this month, everything about your life will change as you follow Jesus. So here's what I want to invite you into. I'm going to pray right now. And what I want you to do is if you want to pray this with me, it's just, it's again, it's, there's no magic formula, but if you just want to have a conversation with God and just pray this with me, hey, this is what it looks like to surrender your life to Jesus. Just pray something like this. Hey God, this week I've started to understand that there's sin and brokenness in my life. God, and tonight I surrender my life to you. God, and I believe that Jesus came and that he became a human and that he died the death that I deserve because of my sin. God, but thank you that Jesus didn't stay dead, that he resurrected from the dead. And I place my trust in you and from this day forward, God, you are in charge. 
Thank you for loving me. God, thank you for pursuing me. And thank you that from this day forward, I get to be your son. I get to be your daughter. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, and here's what I'm going to ask of you. Hey, if tonight you prayed that with me for the very first time, hey, not that you've prayed it before at another camp, not that you've prayed it before with your, with your family or with your parents or with your youth pastor, but if tonight you prayed that with me for the very first time, in just a second, not yet, I'm going to ask you to stand up. And here's why, okay? I'm going to ask you to stand up for two reasons. Number one, hey, if you could, tonight surrendered your life to Jesus and are now for all of eternity going to be his son or his daughter. Number one, we just want to celebrate with you. As your leaders, as Hume staff, as your youth pastors, as your counselors, like we just want to look at you and celebrate and say, welcome to the family. You are now spending the rest of eternity with Jesus. What a celebration. And number two, there's there's some accountability in there. We're going home tomorrow. And by we, I mean you, okay? And me too, but I'm going back to San Diego and you can't come. Not yet, okay? Come visit me someday. But as you go home, your friends sitting next to you and your youth pastors and your counselors, they want to keep you accountable. They want to ask you, hey, how's it going? And so by standing tonight, what you're asking for is that they would kind of keep you in check, that they would follow up on you. Christianity was never meant to be done alone. And so what I want to invite you into is being challenged and sharpened by each other, being invited into a life of of walking through this together. So if you said that prayer for the very first time tonight, go ahead and stand up to your feet. Cool. Okay, so here's what you're telling me. Hey, either... By sitting here, you've said, hey, I've said that prayer before. Maybe you, you've, a long time ago, maybe it was with your family, maybe it was a youth group, maybe it was at another Hume camp. By not standing right now, you're either saying one of two things. One, I've already said that prayer. I'm already walking with Jesus. I'm already spending eternity with him because of what you just walked me through, Austin. Okay? That, or the other side is maybe you're not ready yet, which is totally fine. Okay? But my challenge is don't leave this camp without having a conversation with one of your leaders. Okay? Your leaders love you a whole lot. Okay? I know that for, for a fact. Okay? But your leaders aren't here because they want more junior high friends. Okay? Your leaders aren't here because they're like, you know what I need to do this weekend? I just need to hang out with 11-year-olds. Okay? That's not why they're here. Your leaders are here because Jesus changed their life. Once upon a time, they made a decision to surrender their life to Jesus, and it's changed every minute of every hour of every week of every month of every year of the rest of their life. And they're here because they love you enough to walk alongside you, and they want to see you surrender your life to Jesus. And if you haven't done that already, my challenge for you is this. Don't leave this place without asking a follow-up question. Maybe you don't believe in the Bible. That's okay as long as you're willing to talk about it. Hey, the, the worst thing you can do is just take a middle ground. The best thing you can do is to ask hard questions, to be open and honest. I, I can speak on behalf of your leaders because I'm also a youth leader. The, my favorite conversations is, is when a student comes up to me and go, I don't really know if I believe in God. Awesome. At least you're being honest. What a cool starting place. 
okay? But I want to talk to a second group of you tonight, okay? A second group of you, for those of you that have surrendered your life to Jesus, for those of you that have made that decision before, that as I was walking you through the gospel, the good news of the Bible, the greatest story ever told, right? You are sitting there going, I've made that decision. I am a daughter of the king of the universe. I am a son of the king of the universe. Hey, I, I want to ask and challenge you that there's a second group of you that have made that decision before, but maybe your life as of late, in the last couple of weeks or maybe in the last couple of months or maybe in the last year, your life hasn't looked like you're following Jesus. There's an area in your life, maybe like Jonah, that you need to repent of something. There's, there's something in your life. Hey, maybe, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's just an area of your life that you haven't given over to Jesus yet. And repentance, friends, is, an, is a common, regular part of a follower of Jesus' life. I promise you on this side of heaven, you will never be perfect. And there's gonna be constant areas in your life where repentance is necessary. And there's gonna be things in your life where you need to come back to Jesus. And so I'm gonna challenge for those of you that are sitting here and are following Jesus, I'm gonna ask you to stand if tonight there's something that you need to repent of. And I'm not gonna ask specifically what it is. I'm not gonna put you on the spot. I'm not gonna do any of those things. But here's why I'm gonna ask you to stand. It's the same two reasons. Hey, number one, your leaders, your youth pastors, your church, we want to celebrate that with you. The mark of a Christ follower's life is not perfection, it's repentance. It's the constant desire to come back to Jesus. And this weekend for some of you, it needs to be a bookmark in your life that you look back on this weekend and go, that was the weekend that I fully committed to following Jesus. That was the weekend that I stopped fill in the blank, and I started chasing after Jesus with everything that I am. And maybe there's an area in your life that you need to repent of. See, Jonah was following Jesus. Jonah was following God until he wasn't. And then he needed to turn back to God in a moment of repentance, and some of us need to do that tonight. And so one, we want to celebrate with you, and two, we want to keep you accountable your leaders, your youth pastors, they want to have a follow-up conversation with you and go, hey, why'd you stand? What is it that you need to repent of? Okay, so in, right now, what I, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If there's something in tonight that you need to deal with, that you need to repent of, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Rad. Okay, I'm going to pray for us here in just a second. You guys can take a seat. I'm going to pray for us in just a second, and then after I pray, here's what we're going to do. Hey, nothing's really happening for another 30 minutes in camp, and so what we're going to do is we're going to open up this chapel for you guys. Hey, and some of your leaders are going to stay back and hang out. Your yellow jackets are going to be hanging out in here, and this space is yours. So if you just stood to your feet, or even if you didn't stand to your feet, and you just want to sit somewhere and process a little bit, Maybe there's a conversation that you need to have. And maybe you need to sit down and just spend some time praying. You just need to spend some time with the person who loves you the most, which is God. Right? That's prayer. Hey, this space is going to be yours. And we're going to put a little bit of music on and just go, hey, this, this whole chapel is yours. And again, there's nothing really happening in camp right now for the next 30, 35 minutes. 
And so we want to give you this space. And if you stood, I'm going to ask you to stay behind to have a follow-up conversation. But again, even if you didn't stand, if you want to stay here, stay. If you don't want to stay, and maybe you're just kind of antsy and you want to get out of here, totally fine. But what we're going to ask is that you just leave in a discipline of silence so that your brothers and sisters, your friends who are staying back here, just out of respect for them, that as soon as I say amen, that you would just leave here in a discipline of silence. Can we do that? Yes? Okay, let me pray. God, thanks for tonight. God, thank you for the good news of the gospel. God, thank you for the greatest story ever told. God, through your word that you are a God that pursues. God, and despite our sin, despite our brokenness, God, you loved us enough to send Jesus. And that through Jesus, we can now have life and life abundant. We can have this eternal life, God, because you paid the penalty for our sin. God, thank you for resurrecting that you are an alive God, that when we pray to you that you're listening, when we worship, you're present. God, that when we open up your word, it's not just words on a page, but it's alive and active. God, tonight I ask that in the midst of conversations that you would convict where you need to convict, that you would push us, that you would challenge us. God, that you would allow us to experience you in a way that maybe we've never experienced you before. We love you. It's in Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, remember, just you're leaving in a discipline of silence if you're leaving. If not, this space is yours.